This is Drew versus Well, the podcast about giving inspiration for inspiration. Today on the podcast, we have the famous, the infamous, the just amazing Nigel Clark of Tartan Network, of Nickelodeon, of Disney, of Dad Vengers, of C C so many things. So many things. <laughs> and so oh, many geez. different uh <laughs> It's just amazing, amazing. So, so Nigel, um, how are you doing today? See, first off, thanks for having me. Thanks for um, getting in touch and getting me up on the podcast. It's good to be here. I'm good. I'm good. Um, over here in the UK, across the pond from you, over the Atlantic, our weather is a bit rubbish at the moment. So I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's, it's meant to be May, but it feels like maybe February, March. So we're not feeling the weather right now over here in the UK. But that aside, I can't complain. I have got my health. Uh, I'm enjoying my work. I've got two lovely kids. I can't <laughs> complain. So first and foremost, where the, you know, the relationship has, you know, bloomed is from an app called Clubhouse, right? And I feel like it's, important to for people to know what you're doing on that app um, as far as growing a community of, of parents and allowing them to learn. Can you tell us, tell us a little bit more about that community you're building? Yeah, I mean, that's the place that I met you, Clubhouse. It was, I, I started getting into parenting probably about three years ago after the success of a, a TV show I do here in the UK. And then I started Dad Vengers, which we might talk about a little bit later. But off the back of that, I was just sitting around one afternoon and a friend of mine called me and said, have you been on Clubhouse yet? And I was like, no, what's Clubhouse? Did a little bit of research. He said, you need an invite to get in. I took the invite, went in and had a little look around. I loved the app and I thought this would be an amazing place to start a community of parents that can support each other on all the sides of parenting, whether that be you're worried about um, your anxieties of being a new parent, whether you're worrying about your kids sleeping and you're trying to sleep train them, whether you're worried about uh, them not eating properly, whether you're just a parent who wants to learn different things. And I, I decided, OK, let's let's start a community on here. And I basically opened a, a club called because within Clubhouse, you open clubs and I opened a club called Parents in the Club. And uh, we do at least three chats a week now on Wednesdays, Saturdays and Sundays. We have different topics at every session. We have lots of parents coming through from all over the world. And we literally help each other and share thoughts and views on lots of different aspects of parenting. And I'm finding that it's something that people have needed because they're, they're willing to talk. They're willing to listen as well. You get people that will just listen, just come along and listen for two hours because our sessions can run for two hours. I schedule them for an hour, but we get deep into conversation. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're two hours later. So, um, yeah, I think it's something that's really needed, especially after the kind of year and a half we've had with the, with the pandemic and everything. Yeah, and I think that sense of community that you're building as well is something that's really not seen a lot in a space where parents can share their woes, share their successes, share their misfortunes, and just learn from each other. Because I, 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 you had a room before talking about the past, right? One thing that the past didn't allow parents to have is 
the skills, you know, kind of fought down generation to generation. That's what you had, but not a lot of collaboration from parents, not a lot of sitting down and sharing, you know, Hey, my son is waking up at three o'clock in the morning. Um, what do you do? It's more like, okay, this is what I did, but you aren't for your own. You just, when nobody gets a playbook, nobody gets any instructions on these kids. You just, they basically just let you walk (laughs) out with them out of the hospital, which is, I think, malpractice in some ways, but (laughs) (laughs) that's neither here nor there. So I I love, I love what you're building and I love the community that you're building. So can you tell me a little bit more about Dad Ventures, which is on kind of the same elk? Yeah. So, um, Dad Ventures was something I started a little bit before the clubhouse stuff, because here in the UK, at least, and I think it's pretty much the same in, in, in America, you'll be able to sort of maybe vouch for me here. There there was less support for dads and less resources for dads who wanted to and were interested in, in being hands-on parents. Here over in the UK, uh, generationally, uh, previous generations, dads you know, always were at work, let's say, mm-hmm. or sometimes not present, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, for their children. Nowadays, dads want to be more involved. They want to be more um, involved uh, and there for me there weren't the resources like there were for mums there's great resources for mums you get all sorts of mummy bloggers mum websites support for them when they're going through pregnancy support if they're having troubles after pregnancy postnatal depression mental health all of that but there was a lot less for men and if if we want to be part of um the whole parent um network the parenting journey that whole side of things we we need support uh, here in the UK, I think it's um, we have a, a, a astronomical figure of people uh, committing suicide, and three quarters of them are men. Seventy-five of the really? percent of the people that commit suicide in the UK are men, and I think that figure stems from the fact that there's less support for men, not just in parenting, just in all areas. There's that whole stigma of you can deal with it. You, you're a man, get on with it, that whole thing. And that needs to change. So Dadvengers is about changing that and helping men parent. Yeah, that's, that's super and hyper important because even you can even see the dichotomy between Mother's Day and Father's Day, where Mother's Day is like this whole grand event. But Father's Day is like, hey, you got to put yourself, put everything on the grill. You kind of, you know, you get like, you know, these little two or three gifts, but you really don't get as much of the love and the affection that you would for Mother's Day. Um, so I, I, I love that. I think that, and I, I spoke on this, I think a lot more men now are becoming good fathers, not great fathers, not amazing fathers, but good fathers, or just wanting to be, like you said, in that um, family lifestyle and raise their children. So I love that there's now a resource that they can go to. Even even if it's just, hey, there's take 15 minutes, just read a blog that you've written, you wrote about, it's, it's super beneficial, super helpful. And I, I, yeah, I love I the website we're, we're on a journey. and I love the name. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, we're on we're on a journey as as men and parents, uh, and the goal is to be the best dads we can be. We're not there yet. We're 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 far from there, but we want to get there, and I can see that mm. in men 
all over the world and we will get there. We will, when we help each other, when we talk about it like this, when we form communities, we'll get there in the end. Yeah. And dad Avengers, did that come from your love of, you know, Marvel and the Avengers? Yeah, it did. It totally came from that. I'm a, I'm a big Marvel fan. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I'd watched all 21 films up to Endgame and all of that luck. But within that, I think that the trigger for me was that I knew a lot of men were into that and superheroes and that whole thing. And I wanted um, something that could grab their attention that would feel cool as well as mm-hmm. still have aspirations to, for people to be better. So it, it, it just worked out name wise and hopefully Marvel won't come knocking at my door. <laughs> like <laughs> the, the, the colors are far enough. So I think you're good. <laughs> so, so let's take yeah. a deep dive into kind of your background. So as far as you growing up, where, where are you originally from? Right. So I was born in London my parents, though, uh, emigrated to London from Guyana, West Indies, Caribbean. Yeah. So, yeah, they're Guyanese. Um, so they moved here. I was born here, grew up in London, uh, went to school here. I've got a sister, uh, two years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went through school, was a pretty good kid. I was a lucky, lucky kid, lived in a decent area. Uh, Mum and dad put a lot of time and effort into me. Uh, to send me to a, a good school and and gave me opportunities. So I, I grew up in a in a lovely sort of household and with good people around me looking out for me, and that enabled me to to try all sorts of different things. And I settled in entertainment. Uh, I went mm. to I did go to uni, but I dropped out of uni because I wasn't really feeling it and went to performing arts college instead. Uh, and there studied drama dance singing all entertainment style things and that led me to going into theater and television so i, I did a theater show called stomp which i've done for many years uh, and i started in kids tv and, and have been doing it for the last 20 22 years wow yeah so, yeah so what got you into the arts was that something that was um resent resemble anything within your family was or no, that- you know what happened there? Um, I actually was doing ballet classes and tap classes as a, as a young boy. When I say like young, I mean like three, from about three, four years old through till about eight years old, maybe. Uh, and I got to about eight and I got the opportunity to go to a, like a dance school, like a ballet school. And my mum and dad asked me, what do I want to do? Do I want to go to normal school or, or ballet school? And I was like, I want to go to normal school because there was too many girls in the classes it was just like me me and another boy in the class and it was like it just felt a bit wrong if you'd asked me at 18 do I want to go to a ballet school I would have said ballet school like let's do it all day but that's a choice that was not given to me at that age it was given to me at Mm. eight years old and I was like normal school so I never really um um went did any more performing and when I dropped out of uni at like 19 uh, I had some time to think and do stuff. And I just went to do a little dance class. I just went to for a once a week, 45 minute like dance class. And within three weeks, I was like, what more classes can I do? What more classes can I do? And then it went to what course can I do? And next thing you know, I was full-time dancing at college. So, so what made you even want to do ballet at the gent- like at age, at eight, usually, you know, technic like through yeah. 
normal means, um, what you call it, their men are usually doing like boys are usually playing with trucks and want to hit a ball yeah. and all that stuff. What what kind of made you do that? I think I think my mum just gave me the opportunity to do lots of different things. I tried loads of different things, whether that be from uh, tennis to um, piano to I, I did a bit of cello at one stage. Um, so it was more about giving me the op- op- opportunity to do lots of different things. Mm-hmm. And I just really liked it. I think I just took to it, enjoyed it. Um, and I think I found it easy. I think I had good coordination and stuff. And you know, when you when a kid finds something that they're good at and that it comes easy to them, they just go, they just do it because it's easy to them. When other kids are struggling in the class, you're like, that's easy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what do you mean jump over this? Yeah, I can jump over that. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> so true it, it, and 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 you always been a performer then you've always had like an act for what we call the arts right so yeah you- i did i did even at that young age I, I enjoyed it and i did ballet tap modern and, and had a great time doing it mm-hmm. it was just that dynamic at the eight years old that and and i think maybe a little bit of of i, I can't remember being teased massively for it but maybe i was embarrassed about the fact that I was doing it and no other boys were doing it that turned me off it for those years between about eight years old and and 20 or whenever I went back to it but when I went back to it it felt so natural it felt Mm. so right that I was just like bosh let's go let's do it and and it's funny it's kind of similar to yoga with with me like when I first introduced people to yoga everybody was like man, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing with these poses and things like that? And now it's become like widespread, like hot yoga and all the yavasa, all these like men that are doing yoga now, football players, basketball players are doing it for stretching and things like that. Even ballet is good for, coordin- like you're saying, for coordination for um, football players and basketball players for foot coordination. Yeah. And some of the best boxers actually take ballet. Like yeah. just for their yeah, feet it, movement things. Yeah, for, for coordination, the feet movement. Mm-hmm. There's there's so many things. And you speak about yoga. I I, I did hot yoga for a while, cool. and <laughs> I was I, there was a point where I was doing it like four times a week, five times a week, and I felt the best I've ever felt in my life when I was doing that four times a week. It was a hot yoga, so you know it. You, you there's less chance of injury but and you can sort of push yourself that little bit further and when you're doing it regularly four or five times a week you feel different i felt about an inch taller i reckon <laughs> it stretches out your spine i i yeah i exactly. agree with you it's either you you stretch out your spine or you just be you just stand up straighter you i don't carry, know what it you is. carry yourself differently don't you <laughs> yes 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 so 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 much so i was doing it and i live about maybe 35 minutes away from the actual place I was doing hot yoga. So I had to go all drive all the way down and all the way back up just to do hot yoga. And it was worth it every yeah. single time. Yeah. I, time. I used to have to drive 40 minutes, half hour, 40 minutes to go to my hot yoga class, but loved it. Used to do like a liter and a half of water before going yes. in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get yourself prepared because you know it's going out. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I'll have to get back into some of that. It's been a while. Yeah, I, I can't wait till everything, you know, gets a little bit better so we can interact yeah, like that definitely. now. Um, so let's go into, we have to dive into your entertainment career. So yeah. 
What was your first gig? How did you get that first gig? And can you take me to the matriculation of you through Stomp, Disney, as a, yeah. like Ben 10, or like all those different things? We, we have time. <laughs> yeah, we got time. We got time. So um, the first gig that I ever got for a TV show was an accident. I was mm. still at uh, Performing Arts College. And our teachers and mentors and that, they told us that we could start going to audition for stuff because we needed to start getting comfortable with it. You're probably not going to get any gigs right now because you're going to be nervous in auditions. You're not going to perform right. You need to do a few to just shed that anxiety, shed the nervousness so that you can actually get it right in in an audition and feel like you're doing it. And so we started to go to auditions just to test and feel it out. And literally, I went for one for a TV show, a magazine program that was filmed out of BBC Scotland called You Call. It was a magazine show uh, that had six presenters. So they were auditioning for six presenters. And I went along and got the gig, literally. I literally went along. There was loads of people there and they picked us for a recall. Next thing you know, I was cast as one of the presenters and I did two or three series of that. And that led me to then get a job at Nickelodeon after that which was great I was full-time at Nickelodeon what we call continuity I don't know what you guys call it but basically in between all the shows sister sister um Keenan and Kel I was like okay up next is Keenan and Kel but first we've got a competition blah, 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 ah, all of okay, that stuff okay. mm-hmm. um so did that at Nickelodeon for three years or so and from there once you get a gig there you you can move around. So I left Nickelodeon at one point and I did some a lot of stuff for Disney behind the scenes on a lot of their movies and films and, mm-hmm. and stuff, which is where I got to meet some amazing and incredible people and see some amazing things. So I was on the set of a Star Wars film. Uh, I met mm-hmm. Dwayne uh, Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, so many incredible moments that you just pinch yourself and go, am I really here? You just get to see things, do things. And then from there, I went and worked at Cartoon Network and had my own game show called the Ben 10 Challenge, um, which was a game show based for anyone who has uh, knowledge of Ben 10. So if you're a big Ben 10 fan, your whole Uh family came down to this game show. It was the best game show set I've ever seen in my life, like virtual reality kind of games Mm, that kids could play. Um, And... Uh, you brought your, you brought two two members of either your family or friend. You had to be one family member and one friend, and you competed as a family against another family. And yeah, it was just an amazing show. We filmed it in Spain, actually. Really? Yeah, because um, what what happened was to save cash as Casting Network, they built the set in Spain, but then all the different territories filmed on that set. So for you guys, it's like, um, what's that challenge? What's that game show with the big red balls? The, uh, the, the uh, physical wipeout. one. Wipeout, wipeout. right? Mm-hmm. So Wipeout is filmed in South America. But we film yep. there, you film there, the German lot film there, the Canadians film there. They all go have their slot during the year to go there so that you don't have to build it in Spain and build it in, in Russia and build it wherever you want to do the program. So it saves... Uh, a lot of sets being built so that's gotcha. why it was, they built the set in Spain and then all the different territories went out to Spain to film it so when you was doing a game show what was the go, go ahead sorry 
No, no, go on. What were you, you going to say? Now, I was going to say, when you was filming the game show, what was the, the best group you had or the one that you was like, oh, they're going all the way? Um, do you know what? It wasn't, it wasn't about having the best group. It was just sometimes the best moments because different groups would have... The game show was set up in a way that it was a little bit different every time. And we had a selection of games within the game show that you could like end up doing. Mm-hmm. So sometimes there was one that was in uh, what we call a Zorg ball. You know, when a, a, where you climb inside one of those balls and you're like a hamster inside the ball and you're yes, rolling around? Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So we had an obstacle course that you would go around on that. Or another one was uh, one of the kids was on a bungee string that the parent could pull them down on and use them like a catapult to catapult the kid back up into the sky. And they, and there were things hanging from the ceilings that they had to grab off the ceilings. And then the the parent would have to get the rope again and then catapult and then pull them down, catapult them back up so that they could like then grab the, the money or the items from the ceiling. There were just some incredible games and it was about seeing some of the, the kids and the families that were on the show, some of their reactions to some of the games, because we'd seen them, we'd, we'd yeah. been around, we'd watched the games, but they'd come to the set and not know what, what was going to happen. And we'd be like, right, this is what you've got to do. And I'd explain one of the games like I just did to you, and they'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. What the... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those, one of those shows where you just... Individual games were things that that um, got you excited. So, so behind the scenes, what was kind of your like when behind the scenes when you were kind of getting ready for the um, actual show? What were you doing like to get yourself pumped up into like the space of being able to host the game show? Do you know what? It's it's really interesting that you mentioned that because on that show, like I said, it was out in Spain. And uh, all the different territories were filming. And we, the Brits, were, I think, the penultimate group going out to film. And up until then, um, I'm just going to tell it like it is. People, <laughs> some, of the, some, of the, some of the other countries had hired, um, they hadn't hired professional presenters. I'm, I'm a presenter years in, years out. I know the craft. I know, that, I know what I need to do. I know there's, you know, you, you need to put work in as a presenter sometimes and learn your lines, learn, learn the show so that you can feel comfortable to deliver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you might have a short amount of time. We had a week to film 10 episodes, five days, I think. So it was like, we wanted oh, to get wow. two episodes out a day uh, and get it done. Um, we were the penultimate group. And in the lead up to that, there were territories that had come and were meant to get 10 shows done, had got six done. There were others that had got like one ep done. But this was because a lot of them, and we live in an interesting time when there are influencers who, who do social media, who have these huge followings, who, who you know, can bring people to, uh, to a show and get cast in doing all sorts of things, whether it be presenting this, that and the other. But if you put someone who doesn't know how to do the job in a high pressure job and say, you got to do this in five days and they're not used to it. It's not going to work. So I was coming in off the back of territories, only getting six episodes done territories, getting like one episode done and having to rebook in and all sorts. 
So the crew that had been there for maybe seven, eight weeks doing like lots of different territories were in a point of like, oh, what's going to, what, what's, what are we going to get next? We've got two more <laughs> weeks of this rubbish, right? And then in strolls me, like actual proper presenter, mm. cracked out all the 10 episodes with like plenty time to go on the last day where nice. we could like sit and chill, <laughs> right? And the crew were like baffled. They were like, this is the way it's meant to be. You're, have you presented before? What? Yeah, I have presented before. You, you've done your work. You've done your research. You know, it's like, yeah, but I'm from the UK. That's what you've got to do. From Coming from the Beeb, Disney, all of those places, it was like, yeah, I know the job and I, I can do the job. And you asked like the prep. When you're doing two eps a, a day, you need, to, you need to research who your contestants are, know their names because you don't want to be messing them up on site. You, you need to know the games that they're going to be playing. You need to have gone through your questions that you're going to be asking them so you're not fumbling the questions when you've only got a, a minute to get your questions out and they're, you know, eagerly listening for a question yep. so they can answer it. You can't be fumbling that at that point. So you, you have to do your prep. So my, the thing that G'd me up was that prep because you didn't want to mess things up and that, that for me, was an adrenaline driver. That would drive my drilling, knowing that I, you're right, you got, you got a couple of takes of this. You got to get it right so that we can move on, so that the experience for the the contestants is good, to keep the the vibe and the flow going. So that that always was like a big adrenaline rush for me, and got me pumped for doing the game show. That's that's amazing. I love to hear behind the scenes stuff like that. So who who is, who are your um I guess your um, your shining stars. Who do you look up to as far as you know being a presenter? Which presenter? Um, is that the same thing as a host? Yeah, yeah. We you say okay, host, okay, we okay. say presenter. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, so, would would uh, what? Who do you look to look up to as being a presenter, as being a dad, and also as being an entertainer? Mm, very good question. Very very good question. Um. As as a as a as a father in the public eye right now, we've already mentioned him, Dwayne Johnson. I'm feeling him right now, yeah. and we do the Dad Ventures podcast. And if one day I can get Dwayne on the show, I mean, I've already chatted to him and interviewed him for a film, and that was for someone else. But if I could get to talk to him about being a dad for our podcast, that would be massive for me i'd love that because just seeing some of the things he does you, I mean, you must have seen when he was singing to his daughter like stuff from moana yes his songs and, and all and bits she and was like she didn't believe she believed that he was him yeah <laughs> was like, exactly all of that i was stuff. like <laughs> your dad is maui you are you're you <laughs> when you realize this your head is going to be blown <laughs> so She's yeah seeing... like over him she's like whatever <laughs> yeah because she's got him all the time she's got him all day every day she's like whatever dad um can i do this and he's like okay <laughs> so yeah seeing seeing how much he he's loving and embracing being a, a father and not scared to show that i mean you know we've already said he's he's we were talking earlier the other day and it, he's a massive man he's a man's man mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but he's not scared to show how much of a doting father he is and how much he loves his little daughter and how much he's there for her. And, and that is inspiring as a dad. And that, that's a new age dad. So that's 
some someone I look up to in that sort of field and realm. Um, he's also a really hard worker, and I've got a lot mm-hmm. of time for people with hard work and ethics there. Do you know what? You said presenter and host. I'm going to pick someone who's not a presenter and host, just someone who, who can speak. And as a presenter or host, it's about being able to deliver your message and, and talk and for, to be coherent for people. So for me, Barack Obama is one of the greatest orators mm. we've ever had on this planet, right? Yes. And he, he makes it, he can make some of the most intense things palatable, understandable, engaging. He, yeah, incredible. I'm, and I'm listening right now, just while well, I'm nearly finished, listening to his book. Um, and he narrates his book. And listening to nice. that, his voice already is, is banging, is awesome. <laughs> uh, but then he, the way he talks about things and, and, and the way his mind works is for me. Yeah. So not a presenter, but he knows that he can lay it down. You stick him in front yes. of a TV camera, he can lay it down. So as far as the entertainer, who, who would you say? Because you also Ooh, are. Yeah, yeah. I forgot, I forgot that. Well. Yep. Okay. So, um. This is a question right now. It, it's, we're, we're going there. We're going there. <laughs> I do not think I would be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for a very controversial name these days. It wasn't that controversial back then. Then it went through some time. And now it's a, a name oh, that you I, don't really know what to do with. So Michael I, Jackson, right? I knew he was going to say that. I knew he was going to say that. Right. Is, yeah, yep. it, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if it wasn't for him, I don't think, because... I'd watch him dancing and that's what drove me to do dance class. You know, I spent hours in front of the TV learning how to moonwalk from month in, month out. And, you know, this is before the times of listening to a Drake track and going right foot, uh, left foot slide and learning how to moonwalk. Yeah. This is like, no, you got to figure it out. You've got freeze frame on your VHS, mate, and figure out how it's going because your dance teacher doesn't know how to do it. It's just been seen on the TV and you've got to work it out, mate. Sorry. So I spent that time with the VHS freeze framing it, going forward, okay, his legs there, and it took months to figure it out and then go, okay, his weight must be there. And, and I, I remember the day I got it, I was like looking in the reflection of a cupboard or something in my house and I could see it and I actually saw myself doing it and I, was, I ran through the house to my mum, 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 look, I can moonwalk. And yeah, but I had a, like posters of him on my wall. Mm. It was inspirational to me. So I don't think I'd be doing what I'd be doing if it wasn't for him. So that would be my inspiration as an entertainer. But like I said before, it's all been thrown into a, a grey area now that I don't think anyone apart from him and people that were there will ever know the true story of, of what went down. And, you know, I am, I'm not passing judgment on any of it. I have no idea what went down. I, yeah, he, I, his, his, I his whole life was very strange um, mm-hmm. he lived a life that none of us will ever be able to compare to um, he did a lot of good he, he gave a lot of people a lot of hope he gave a lot of people a lot of um, dreams to aspire to so for me I just focus on on the talent that he brought and how he inspired me and now how I'm doing good things. So something good came out of, of some, some, it somewhere, but it's, it's a difficult topic and a difficult subject. Yeah. I, I, it's a difficult subject, but if people just are 
knowledgeable about who he is and who where he came from and how he came to fandom, they don't understand that, like you're saying, to be you know a kid from London to have wanted to be Moonwalk, me being a kid from Brooklyn that wanted to learn how to Moonwalk, for us to even have that shared experience is yeah. huge. Not a lot of people can even say, like, oh, there are two people across the country that wanted yeah. to do something you did. You created. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, well, exactly. And when you look at, there will, I don't know, never say never, but I don't know if there will ever be a moment when you will have someone that will capture the world's attention like that uh, as he did. I mean, you've got your, your Jay-Z's and your Beyonce's and whatever these days, but that man, you could drop him down anywhere in the world uh, in the 80s and they, everyone would have been like, huh, that's the dude. <laughs> you ever seen you ever seen the concerts and people are fainting at his concerts and things like that i went i went to i went to a concert five times i went five times i went i went to bad in 88 i went to um dangerous in 93 and then i went to history in 98 all at wembley stadium i went once to bad twice to um dangerous and twice to history okay Incredible. questions i have Cause I never got a chance. So yeah. what was, what, what did it feel like during that time? What, how did, how was the crowd's energy? Was it like vibration? Like, like how did it, how was the energy? Let, let's know? talk. Okay. I'll, I'll talk about, I'll talk about 1988, the first time I saw it. So I'm 10 years old uh, and I went with my mom and dad and I went with my sister as well. And being that young and that small, we didn't get right in the middle mix of it but we could yeah, see yeah. the middle mix of it. So we're sitting, if you think of a stadium, we're in the seating bit on the side, but the, the standing on the, on the ground bit in the middle and then the stage is at one end. Uh, so we're like maybe a third of the way up the, the stadium on the side there. And we got there early. We were there one o'clock in the afternoon. You, your man's not coming on till eight, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> um, and the stadium's full. Yeah. Stadium's full. It's full from like ten in the morning. It's like <laughs> it's rammed, and everyone's everyone's on a vibe. Everyone's high. Everyone's like, "Yeah, it's going down tonight, <laughs> man!" Woo! <laughs> and we were sitting there, yeah, talking to people. They're playing music through the PA system and whatever. He came out on stage, and that was it. That was it. The the world lost its roof. <laughs> People were fainting. They were spraying the crowd, passing people overhead. It was, as a 10-year-old boy, it was eye-opening. It was eye-opening. And that's, and seeing something like that, that's when you go, okay, uh, yeah, I want to be, I want to be big. I want to be big like he's big. <laughs> that's where the inspiration comes from. That's where you start grafting and learning how to moonwalk. Yeah, that's a legitimate one of the biggest superstars of all time, like all time to have that, yeah. to have seen that experience of that. That's man. I, I, I was legitimately, he was going on a world tour. I was like, I will sell my soul if I have to get a ticket before he passed. I was like, I will sell my soul if I have to get a ticket, but then he passed. So I couldn't get it. I was like, Oh, this darn soul. Uh, <laughs> it's still, still in my body. It was on sale. Um, <laughs> But but that's but that's awesome that you know you at least you have some of those pivotal like points that you can kind of point to, as yeah. far as being an entertainer, as far as being a dad. Let's let's first go on entertainer. 
what is something that you would say, an entertainer and a host, what would you say to somebody who's trying to come up and be in your shoes? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's a different place. It's a different um, workspace to when I grew up in it. When I grew up in it, it was all about going to the auditions and, and uh, you know, showing up and you, you might get picked. You had to just be lucky. These days, it's, it's a whole different thing. You have to, your CV is, is, is your Instagram or your mm. YouTube. You're, you're already building a foundation before you get your big job these days. So it's about um, finding what your, your niche is, what you're interested in. You know, you might be a gamer, so you want to do, game, you want to do a gaming style of presenting where you, you, you start your own YouTube channel, your own Twitch channel or whatever it is. Or maybe you're into fashion, so you start doing stuff on, on Insta. The, the resources that we have now to start kind of building up your profile in your niche is, is incredible. You, you, can, you, can, you can set yourself up and be making money and never have seen a TV station. Mm. And like, it, it brings me back to, it brings me back to what I was just saying about um, when I was filming that program in Spain, Ben 10 Challenge, mm -hmm. and influencers were getting hired. These are people who never presented in their lives, but they had... 400,000 followers on Insta. So they're getting jobs in TV. So these days, I would say it's all about firstly finding out what your niche is and what you want to focus on. And that needs to be something you enjoy. Don't pick something because, you know, everyone else is doing it or, or whatever. You'll, you'll get much further picking something you have a genuine passion and an understanding for because you'll you'll spend more time learning it researching it you'll it won't feel like work yep it'll feel like fun all the time so pick pick your right niche and then be prolific go out there and make your own little version your own little five minute eps episodes of 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 something that is in your niche um do podcasts do whatever you can to put in your hours, put in your thousand hours of, of doing the craft so that when your time comes, because when you're doing that, your time will come, you'll, an opportunity will arise. I've heard stories of people working at radio stations. I'm sure this was an American guy. I'm trying to think it was. He was working at a radio station as an intern or something and wanted to be a radio DJ and just learnt the business, learn what the DJ had to do. And one night, at one in the morning or something, one of the DJs couldn't get in and no one could get to the to the to the radio station and the intern was there and they were like, well I can host the show. Cut to the next week, had his own radio show and then wow. became one of the biggest radio presenters in the States or something. I've forgotten who it was though. It was a really, really interesting story. Um but yeah that your your opportunity will come at some point. And if you've put in those hours and you found your niche and you've done your research and you know your, your craft and you know your art, you'll be able to capitalize on that moment when it comes. So as far as the, the influence and things like that, do you think they're disrupting the kind of the art of acting and the art of theater? Um, because it's kind of like they are taking, you know, the reins in their own hands, but also they're mm. not learning what you have had to go through, which is doing no dishes, learning how, you know, spacing, learning all this different things. It's kind of a new age order now. Yeah. Um, I think the word disrupting is, is probably the best way to do it. I don't think they're, they're 
killing the art. They're just disrupting it a little bit because mm -hmm. these people um, either learn the hard way, they've, they'll flop a couple of times and then realise, okay, I've got, I've got to learn this and they'll keep driving at it and then they'll get to a place or they'll drop out and go. Um, so it's just, what's the best way? It's, it's like percolating some coffee. You just gotta wait until it filters through. Yeah. You gotta wait. It just takes a little bit longer to filter through because there's lots going on and there's so many more people wanting to do it now. It, you know, everyone wants their five minutes of fame. Um but the cream still rises to the top. We're all good. Yeah. It just takes a little bit longer. It just takes a little bit longer. So if you're out there doing it, do it properly and you will you will rise to the top. It'll be fine. Yeah, definitely take your advice uh, of kind of learning and crafting, sharpening your tool is super beneficial. Um, yeah. So, so as far as you know, dad advice, right? Mm. As somebody who's a as somebody who's a new father, right? I know we talked about giving advice in in the club, but yeah. what advice would you give a new father? Okay. Um. Two two big ones. My two big ones. Right. First off. Take each day as it comes. Yeah, you can plan. You can, you can be heading for a goal. But don't get too caught up in that goal because life isn't like that. We've already seen that over the last year. We've seen that in many different um, instances and occasions. So sometimes it's about learning to, to be able to just take each day as it comes, to pivot if you need to, to... Um, adapt to whatever life's going to throw at you that day, that time. The second one, the big one for me, for men, for dads, be present. Be present. You, you um, Take those times, and I know we're in a digital age where we've all got mobile phones and people are contacting us all the time, left, right and centre and blah, 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 and this and that. You do it. I've seen you do it. We, we've had correspondence where it's like, Nigel, no, sorry, I'm with my daughter tonight. And mm -hmm. that's because you're being present. Being present and taking those times, even if there's like, it's just for half hour, 45 minutes uh, on a Saturday afternoon and then another one on a Wednesday after, whatever it is, when you get that time to be present, be present. Learn who your child is mm. from, from the second you meet them. Just learn because their, their personality is growing. It's there. It's being presented to you. The more you learn about them as, as people, the more you'll be able to communicate with them. And when you can communicate with them, sweet. And that's that's so important and something I learned real later in parenting is the the aspect of actually um, putting your phone down and being there is <laughs> like yeah. so it's so hard. Definitely being in somebody who's in technology, I'm always yeah, and 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 it's but it's so beneficial not just for parenting, also just in life, just like to be present, like you're saying. So. I, I love those those pieces of advice. I love them. I'm I'm the same as you. You you sometimes you get caught on caught up on it, and I I get called out by my kids now because mine are like eleven <laughs> and thirteen, so they can call me out and say, "Look, daddy, you're not listening. You're on the phone," and it's like, "Whoa, hold on." Okay, yeah, you're right. And uh, one thing I heard the other day on on my podcast that I do, um, I was inter interviewing a guy called Matt Willis, and 
he was talking about uh, how him and his partner put have a phone jail. Yes, in the evenings, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the evenings, that everyone in the family has to put their phones in the phone jail, and it's family time. And and I will be taking that one with me. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I I list, literally just listened to that episode, and it was I I remember that phone jail. I like that. I liked a lot. Do you you ever seen the time boxes that they have that you can put your phone in, and you have to put a timer, and you can't get the phone out in, out of. No, but I'm, I'm, I might go and look for one of those. <laughs> go on Amazon. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> I'm, yeah, literally, as soon as we're finished here, I'm heading to Amazon. <laughs> um, okay, so this is the next part of the my podcast. I like to do like little sh- quick rapid fire um, questioning. Um, and it's called Shots Fired. Um, and it's about 15, 20 questions. Boom. It goes from being very simple to being... A lot more thought-provoking at the end. Okay. Is there a time limit on it? Do I just have to bang out the answers really quick? As fast as you can. As fast as I can. All right. Cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready? Yeah. All right. This is Shots Fired. What's your favorite color? Blue. What's your favorite sport? Basketball. What's your favorite movie? Interstellar. What's your favorite cartoon show? Uh, um, I was going to say Incredibles, but that's not a show. That's a film. Uh, I'd have to go with The Amazing Spider-Man from the 80s. Ooh, nice. My man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what movie do you hate to love? Uh, um... See, I'm I'm not really bad. Um, I I I own my my guilty pleasures, okay. uh, and I would say love love and other drugs. Okay. Um, what's your favorite cereal? Uh, we've got something here called Crunchy Nut Cornflakes. I don't know what they're called in the states. Ooh, Basically, it's a cornflake that's got like honey and nuts on it. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I I think I know what you're talking about. It's 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 named something else, but that sounds delicious. Yeah, Kellogg's. Um, Kellogg's uh, yes. crunching up cornflakes. Um, what's one place you w- want to visit that you haven't yet? Brazil. What's one fictional world you want to visit? I wouldn't mind rocking up in the Marvel Universe. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind rocking up in the Marvel Universe. Um, yeah, get me an Iron Man suit and go for a little cruise. Yeah, you have to have a superpower because if you don't, you'll just be in destruction all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I went through a few things. I wanted to be a pilot. And I found out that you had to have 20-20 vision. Back in the day, didn't have it, so I changed. Then I think it was uh, an architect, then a doctor. Then that was a little bit too long, and then it was paramedic, and that's what I was studying to do at uni. Then I had the year out, dropped out, whatever, became the uh, entertainment went to performing arts okay um if you had a time machine would you go forward in time or back in time back okay um what would be the name of your autobiography (laughs) 
Nigel Clark, there wasn't enough time. Mm, I like that. <laughs> um, if you had to be handcuffed to someone for a month, who would it be? Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one person. Just one person. That's messed up because I was going to do the kids. Um, <laughs> but I've got two of them. Um, <laughs> Which one do you like more? <laughs> Obama. Okay, good job. Um, who is your celebrity crush? Penelope Cruz. Um, what's one superpower you want to have? Empathy. Ooh, that's deep. Get <laughs> some snaps on that one. Um, <laughs> last question. What is your death row meal? Last meal of life. I need an app. I need an entree and I need dessert. Ooh. Okay. The dessert is apple pie and oh, ice yeah. cream. Oh, yeah. And a drink. Sorry. Okay, cool. Uh, the dessert is apple pie and ice cream. The main is um, West Indian uh, rice and peas. Ooh, let's go. <laughs> with fried plantain, coleslaw, uh, roast potatoes and chicken. I don't know whether I'm going jerk chicken or my mum's roast. It might be my mum's roast. Yeah. What, that's the main. <laughs> yeah, starter. Um, uh, prawn, avocado and prawns. Okay, nice. Start nice. Or, or if that's not available, uh, Tom Yam, uh, Tom Car Guy. So a Thai soup, mm. Thai chicken soup, coconut chicken ch chicken soup. One of those nice. two. And what's the and drink? drink? You wanted to drink. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you want alcohol? What do uh, I'd probably have two drinks if it was me. I'd have two drinks: an alcoholic drink and a and a, and a like a non-alcoholic drink. <laughs> so my alcoholic drink, I'd probably go with a mojito. If we if we this is me kicking out, give me that mojito. Uh, and uh, my my soft drink. There's a drink in the UK that they've messed up. And, it, and I haven't been able to drink it for two years, but I'd go original recipe Ribena. For you in the States, that is, uh, it's like, a, it's, no, it's like, a, it's, a, it's a squash. It's what we call a squash. So for you, it's like a Kool-Aid. Uh -huh. It's like, it's a bit like a Kool-Aid, but you guys have to add the sugar to the Kool-Aid. Ours is like a syrup that you just have to add water to it. They went the opposite way on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So literally, it's concentrated. Um, so say you mix your Kool-Aid, yeah? Mm -hmm. And you mix it to exactly what you want. Basically, the company then um, evaporates all the water out so they get the syrup and puts that in a bottle and sells it to you. So all you have to do is add the water and boom, you're good. Okay. I got to get some of that. Uh, <laughs> got to get some of that. Um, but... Um, Nigel, that was shots fired. Thank you so much. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I like shots fired, you know. I like shots fired. There were some good questions there. Thank you. And uh, it was powered by what I like to call Poddex. Poddex is a 
is a now a um, app and also cards that you can buy. And if you enter um, Africa DVSW, that's DVSW at checkout, you get ten percent off. Fine, I might check it out. <laughs> there you go, Poddex. Tell them that Drew sent you. Um, so Nigel, first and foremost, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Thanks so much for help allowing me to occupy your time across the pond. Can you please tell people how they can find you, how they can listen to Dad Avengers, and any other upcoming events you got going on? Yeah, definitely. So I would really, really love anyone listening, because if you're listening uh, to your podcast, it means you're into podcasts. I do a podcast as well called the Dad Avengers podcast, which is available on all the usual um podcast platforms whether that be spotify apple acast all of those so just search dad vengers podcast please give us a a rating uh follow us i would appreciate it so much because it will help um help get the message out to dads and parents and and sort of spread the word of what we're doing and i know you're drew you're a firm believer in all of that Uh, as well as that you can find me on um instagram just look for nigel clark tv um i'll be there knocking around uh or just stick nigel clark into google and you'll find my website and all the other bits and bobs that i'm doing what have i got coming up hmm a series two of the podcast is what's coming up mm-hmm. it's starting uh in june next month in about three weeks we're starting new series series two got some great guests lined up already recorded about half of it so yes Come and check that out. Or just come and check out me and Drew in a, in a clubhouse room. <laughs> Parents in the club. We'll be there regular, three times a week. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, again, um, Nigel, thank you again so much. Um, the last thing we do here on a podcast is share the catchphrase. And the catchphrase here is love, peace, and chicken grease. Love, peace, and chicken grease. Drew, thank you so much for having me here. Love what you're doing. Uh, Big shout out to you, your family, (laughs) and all of your listeners. Yeah, we'll do this again soon. Maybe we'll get you on my podcast soon. For sure. I'm I'm always down to talk dad stuff with you. (laughs) Definitely, mate. All right. Thanks again, Nigel. And this has been another episode of Drew versus the World.